0: The carol service this morning. Yeah. It's been great, hasn't it? You know, you've had a proper Christmas carol service now because things have gone wrong already. Uh, it's not a carol service until you've got like a faulty mic stand and the backing tracks don't. I just went over to, to Tarike and Chopin and, uh, and Ade and I said, You're better people than me because I would have ran off in the corner and had a paddy if the backing track didn't work properly. They've got guts, these guys have. So, uh, no, well, done for, uh, well done for that. I'm going to embarrass her because she's here. Today, and I can because I'm the pastor, so you've just got to put up with it. But my sister's over visiting from, uh, from France. She's gone to live amongst the French. Heavens knows what will possess you to do that. But she's back on our green and pleasant shores now. If there's anybody French in here today, by the way, please forgive me. It's I, a joke, by the way. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's great to have my sister with us today. Um, but, you know what, just before I get into my uh, into our, our message this morning... Um, yeah, I just want to say, I think there is a slide that's been going up earlier on, but you know, please accept our apologies. The writing's a little bit small and it might be a bit hard to uh, to read what it actually says, but you know, we felt it was just important that on behalf of the leadership of J28, we just want to thank you, you know, for, for, for 2019. Thank you for everybody's faithfulness. I know there's some some people in here today, it's great to have you with us, that uh, that. Maybe uh, aren't part of this church, and it's brilliant. But you know, for those of you that are, you know, reg- regular members of of J28 Church. I just want to say to you a massive thank you from all the leadership team. You know, we couldn't do, uh, you know, we couldn't make church happen without you. You know, your faithfulness, those of you that serve the teas and the coffees, those that stand on the welcome and give us a great greeting when we walk into church, those that are out in the car park coordinating things, those that turn up faithfully and pray. You know, for all of you that have shed tears this year and faithfully prayed, we just want you to know that, um, you know, that it, it means something so much. You know, it's worth so much. So we just want to thank you for your faithfulness. So uh do you know what? Let's let's us leaders actually, it might be a little bit quiet, but just our leaders, let's give everybody a clap. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah. yeah. Luce, come and join me. And then just on a personal note, me and Lucy just wanted to uh, just to say a few words as well because this has been this has been my first year as a as a as a senior leader, and um I've got to be honest, it's been At the turn of the year, as as many of you will will well know, it was was a difficult time, wasn't it? It was a difficult old time. But, you know, that's that's a year ago now, and I think it's important not to live in the past and not to keep, um, you know, bringing up past difficulties. Hello, Jimmy. Um, And we're at the end of this year now, and God has blessed us massively. Um, But we did just want to say on behalf of our family, thank you so much. Lucy's got a couple of words, haven't you?
1: Yeah, um, I was just thinking, looking back on this time last year, it was a completely different situation for us, wasn't it? <laughs> um, and it has been really hard in times. But you guys have just all been absolutely fantastic. And your love and support that you've just shown to me, Nathan, the kids, at times it's just been overwhelming. And it's now we look and we see where God's taking this church, and it's just, it's exciting, and it's fantastic, and it's just amazing, so thank you all so much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> on, You've got to go and sit down now. Good luck with that, loose <laughs> <laughs> Just to let you know, I know the kids are staying within, in, with us today, and as I always say, you know, with the kids, don't worry about them being a little bit boisterous. I mean, don't let them dangle from the, you know, from the rafters or anything like that, but uh, don't worry about them making a bit of noise. But, you know, it's Christmas 2019, and uh, as, we've, as we've already heard this morning, you know, through the different scripture readings that have been given, through the different carols that we've sung, through the fantastic nativity. I've got to say, Heather, I really like the way that we did that nativity. It was great. Nobody forgot their lines, did they? (laughs) Nobody forgot their lines at all. Perfect, didn't it, that? Jimmy made an adequate Adam, didn't he? (laughs) It really is. I've had I've had just so much fun this morning. But you know, we're going to come to God's word this morning. Not that that isn't fun. You know, it, I believe that you know it can be fun. Probably not the word to describe it. But you know what? We need truth in our lives, don't we? We need truth in our lives. And uh, I just think a great way to round off our our Christmas period. Well, we actually have got another Sunday uh, in December this year. But uh, we've been in a series just recently. A Christmas series talking about an exchange between ourselves and God. You know, we exchange gifts at Christmas, don't we, to one another, to our loved ones, our friends, our neighbours, etc, etc. And the idea behind this Christmas series this year was an exchange between us and God. And we've spoken, you know, in that first week about, uh, about giving over our anxiety, giving over our worry for peace. Tony brought a, a great message on uh, on giving over our division and our tendency to divide uh, in replacement for unity, God's unity. Last week, I thought the, the tag team preachers were fantastic. Claudia, Ruth, Simon. I thought you just—it was fantastic, wasn't it? I really, really enjoyed last week's last week's meeting. But I'm going to come this morning to um, to you know the title of this message this morning is exchanging despair for hope. Expa- exchanging despair for hope. So we've already had this reading this morning from Nathan. Thanks for coming and sharing that right at the beginning of the service, mate. Um, but we're going, read it, uh, we're going to read Isaiah 9, 2-7 in its entirety. Verses 2-7. to If this could go up on the screen behind me, please. It says this. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned. You know, just pause there for a second. One thing that I've, uh, I've learned about Scripture is that there are different uh, nuances in the text and there are different styles of writing in the Bible. And very often in the poetry sections of the Bible and in the prophetic books of the Bible, there's, there's this style of writing where they use repetition. Because basically it's saying the same thing. Isaiah is saying the same thing. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those land, living in the land of deep darkness, a light has Dawned, he's saying the same thing but in a different way. Could I tell you, whenever you read moments like that in the Bible, it's them trying to get your attention, trying to emphasize a point, trying to communicate something um, by repetition. So, when that occurs, can I encourage you to to pay attention? Isaiah wants us to know that those living under darkness and despair can look forward to a light coming into our world. It goes on, verse 3 it says, You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. It says, For in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Verse 5, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. The fighting will be over is what it's saying. Verse 6, it says, for unto us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And I guess this is quite prominent, really, in these, last, uh, in these last few, I guess, weeks and months in our society. It says this, and the government will be on his shoulders. Let's remember Let's remember that. The government will be on his shoulders. What he's talking about there, what's he talking about? The Conservative Party? Well, yeah, them as well, but he's talking about all authority established on the earth the government shall be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace this is no ordinary child is it verse 7 it says of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end there'll be no end i absolutely love that sometimes you know i just think you have to slow down you have to slow down as you read these scriptures it's traditional. You've probably heard this thousands of times in carol services and over the Christmas period. But, you know, it's wonderful when you just slow down and you pull these sentences apart. That of his kingdom there will be no end. There's been brilliant kingdoms, hasn't there? There's been some wonderful, mighty kingdoms throughout history. Majestic kingdoms that have come and gone. Some of them probably looked as though they would last forever. But they haven't. God's kingdom is a different kingdom. It says it will be established forever. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What a remarkable, remarkable prophecy from Isaiah. And this, you know, what makes it even more remarkable is the fact that it was written, you know, around 700 years before Jesus Christ was even born. A prophecy declaring to, to our world, you know, that is desperate for hope. Can I just say our world is still desperate for hope, isn't it? A prophecy declaring that a man of hope would be born. A man of hope would be born. No, and, and more than a man. More than just a man, but a saviour. A saviour that would be a light to all those, as Isaiah says, living in darkness. A man that would, he would represent restoration. A man that would represent healing. And I'm not just talking about physical healing. Although he does provide that too. He's he's talking about a healing of the soul. A man that would bring peace and forgiveness to a mankind that is desperate for it. I guess what's the most remarkable thing when you you think about Jesus is this, that even though he has all those wonderful things and all those wonderful prophecies that were written about him, he was a man that was rejected. He was a man that was rejected by those that he was sent sent to save. But nevertheless, he achieved something for us that we were unable to achieve ourselves, didn't he? The opportunity to be restored into a right relationship with, with our creator, free from you know, the sin that has plagued you know, every single human being right from the start, as we saw in our nativity earlier on. You know, Jesus Christ is not only the most famous person that ever lived, He's not only the most famous person that ever lived in the history of the world, but more than that, he's a man that, according to hundreds of eyewitnesses, they saw him alive again after his death. The only person, the only person in the history of the world. And... As I've already said, I really enjoyed last week, you know, we had a, a, a three, three brief messages on uh, what Christmas means to me and Claudia brought a great message and so did Ruth. And, uh, but I really like the way that Simon um, spoke about the fact that though Christmas is a celebration of the Saviour, the Saviour God coming into our world, it's ultimately just the beginning of a story of self-sacrifice that would lead to his death, isn't it? You know, this was a man that was born to die, we, we can't move away from that fact at Christmas. And the Christmas accounts of Jesus' uh, birth are, if you like, they're detailing just a portion of the hope that was coming. This is the way I see it, is that it, it, the, the Christmas story just contains a portion of the hope that was to come. Hope was coming into the world, hope personified, hope in human flesh, hope in the shape of a man, but the full extent. Of the hope that was coming wasn't realized until his death and ultimately his his resurrection. I think it's safe to say, isn't it, that you know, it was a it was probably a penny drop moment. A penny drop moment for his his early disciples. You know, they were in despair, weren't they? They were in despair after his death. You know, this was the This was the saviour. This was the 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 king that was to come. He was supposed to, you know, ride in on a horse with, you know, a vast army with swords and spears, and you know, and 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 bring down the oppressors, bring down the the Roman rule that was that was occupying Israel at the time. They were probably sitting there thinking, it's all gone wrong. It's, It's gone dreadfully, dreadfully wrong. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like ting penny drop moment. They see him alive. They see him alive. So he was bringing deliverance to Israel after all, but he didn't do it in the way that everyone was expecting. Like I say, I I imagine in the day that there there was this big expectation and this big buzz. I mean, history tells us that there was plenty of people in Israel at the time that were messianic figures, uprisings and revolts, and I'm sure people thought that Jesus was going to be the one that just managed to go one step further and actually overturn the Roman rule. They didn't realize that God was doing something different, did they? God was doing something... That people weren't expecting, because instead this king came in humility. Jesus came humbly. He came in. He came in service. He came in self-sacrifice, and millions and millions of people, if not billions of people, since that time of his death and his resurrection, have been, have encountered him, and their lives have been transformed by him. I, I, can I just say, for those of you that don't know me, I'm one of them. You know, I stand before you today as one of those who has experienced the life-transforming power of Jesus in my life. Having trusted him as, you know, as their saviour. Placing their faith in him. They've found, you know, that very thing that every single human being craves from the moment that we're born. And that's true hope, isn't it? It's true hope. One thing that everybody is searching for. So let me ask you this question this morning. Let me ask you this question. Where do we place our hope? Where do you place your hope? Just have a think about it for a second. Because... It seems pretty apparent to me that we put our hope in all kinds of different places, in all kinds of different things, don't we? You know, maybe we put our hope in, in, in our finances. Maybe we'll put our hope in our, in our jobs. Maybe we'll put our hope in, you know, in loved ones. Maybe it's in a spouse. Put our, our love sometimes in, in Politicians. You know, every election that comes around, it's, it seems like, you know, there's this great hope that things are going to, to be different. And again, I'm not going to go down a political trail or anything. That's not my job. But we put our hope in these things, don't we? So, you know, I guess one of the most apparent things in our society today is, you know, we put our hope in knowledge. And I don't mean the knowledge of God. I mean the opposite of that. I mean the, the, a knowledge that denies God. And the list goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Yet, if we're truthful to ourselves, there's nothing really that quite scratches the itch, if you'll pardon the expression. There's nothing that quite gets to the root of the the hope that that we're looking for. Because, you know, a booming bank balance might, you know, it might make life a little bit easier. But it doesn't do anything for you when you're on your deathbed and you're, you know, you're staring at, you know, the possibility of what's to come. There's something deeper that the human soul craves, isn't there? Nothing quite gets to the root of the yearning in us that cries out from the moment that we're born for real hope. A hope that extends beyond the, the boundaries and the confines of, of this life here and now. You know, and so, you know, you say to me, you know, what's this got to do with Christianity, Nathan? What's this got to do with, with Christmas? And it has everything to do with the Christian faith. It has everything to do with Christmas, you see, hope is the characteristic which sets Christianity apart. Hope's the, 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 the characteristic that sets Christianity apart. You know, I've heard it said before that Christmas is hope personified. It's hope with flesh and bones. It's hope in the shape of a man. The man Jesus Christ. And that hope which follows, uh, that follows Jesus' birth and his death and ultimately, as resurrection is, it's the key feature of our faith. It's the, it's the, it's it is, if you like, the centerpiece of Christian faith, isn't it? But it's also the very commodity that every single person, every single human being, is is craving. You know, there was a um, the late Swiss theologian Emil Brunner. I don't know if I pronounced this surname right or or not, but he once said this. He said, "What oxygen is for the lungs." Such is hope for the meaning of life, what oxygen is for the lungs, such is hope for the meaning of human life. You know just I, I love that, just as the human body is is dependent on a supply of oxygen to survive, so the human soul is dependent on its supply of hope. You know I, I just as I was thinking about this the other day, I, I just got this picture and I just imagined. Maybe you've been in this situation yourself or maybe you've had a loved one or a friend who's been in hospital and I just imagine somebody lying on a, on a hospital bed on an intravenous drip, you know, with the bag and the fluids and, uh, you know, and the tube coming down and the needle in the vein supplying that, that fluid which, you know, is going to do you good, which brings health and sustenance to your body. And I, I, to me, that's a real great picture of what hope is to the human soul, a continual feed of hope is needed in order to, to be well and to, and to survive. Yet today, hopelessness and despair are everywhere, aren't they? Hopelessness and despair are everywhere. And I'm not just talking about, you know, on a large scale out there like how, in our nation. You know, let's bring it a little bit closer and make it personal. You know, maybe in our local community. We know that for a fact. Maybe in our families. The Apostle Peter... He said something great. He said many things that are great. But You know, in his first book in in the New Testament, let's not forget as well, Peter was a man that was given to despair. He was a man that was given to despair. In those events that led up to Jesus' crucifixion, this guy guy was, was really despairing. He was struggling. But he wrote this. He says in 1 Peter 1 verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into what into a living hope into a living hope i love that i love that term a living hope not a dead hope it's not a dead hope it's not a false hope and and it's not this counterfeit hope you know proclaiming to promise a lot which is which is very often the kind of hope that the world has to offer it's a counterfeit kind of hope promises a lot but never really delivers as i said it never quite scratches the itch does it it's not a temporary hope, it's a living hope. And how do we get that? He goes on and he says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, Peter didn't get there immediately, did he? You know, And we'll let him off, let him off the hook a little bit, because neither would you and I as well. I think we give Peter a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of a bad press sometimes, but the truth is, you and I would have been confused surrounding the events of Jesus' death as well. I'm sure we would have been in the same boat But, you know, once he saw the empty tomb, once he had the witness report coming back, you know, we've seen the Lord, we've seen him alive, and he runs down there, doesn't he, famously? He runs down there, and they can't see him around, and he begins to start appearing to them. And eventually he's appearing to pockets of people, hundreds of people at a time. And, like I said, boom, you know, the penny drop moment. Peter clearly grasped the revelation that Jesus' death was not, in fact, uh, a call for despair, is very often what you know what death is isn't it and can be for us but instead it was the mark of real hope the mark of true hope hope that you know mistakes can be forgiven that sin can be forgiven hope that we can have joy and hope that we can have peace hope that we can have security and assurance in the midst of the despair that we face each and every day in our world hope that Christ is coming soon that's what the scripture talks about when, when it says the blessed hope and of course the pinnacle of, of that hope is the fact that you know the bible clearly tells us that there is coming a day where there will be a new heaven where there will be a new earth and where the kingdom of God will actually reign in its fullest in the complete fullness Christian hope uh, let me this is brilliant this is brilliant and this is a um, a breath of fresh air to know this, that Christian hope isn't reliant on your ability. Ah, come on. <laughs> I give God thanks for that. That's right, Pam, I'm with you on that. Because my word, you know, if Christian hope was dependent on my ability, gosh, we'd all be hopeless. If it was dependent on your ability, if it was dependent on your strength, if it was dependent on your goodness, gosh, then, you know, we would be in a hopeless state, but it's not. It's not our hope is instilled in us by the birth which we're celebrating this Christmas time. But also the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm, I'm going to come to a close in just a second. Maybe Ruth, could you come and join me and, uh, and we're going to play and we're going to finish uh, you know, in a few moments with another carol. But could I encourage you this Christmas time? Could I encourage you this Christmas time to embrace the one who is hope personified? All the different things where we can place our hope, you know, the counterfeits of hope. They provide hope for a season maybe. They provide hope for, uh, you know, maybe for a portion of our lives, but they don't give us the hope that really we're, we're looking for. Could I encourage you to embrace the one who is hope personified and allow that blessed hope, as the Bible puts it, To to transform the way that you live. Casting off despair and living the life of joy and, and faith and peace and fulfillment that Jesus promised to all those who would follow him. That really is my encouragement this morning is that, you know, embrace that hope because that informs the way that you live. You see, hopelessness usually gives way or usually gives birth to carelessness. Where there is no hope, it doesn't matter how you live, does it, without getting too deep and really, really theological and stuff, but where there is no hope, it doesn't matter whether I'm a good husband to my wife, because there's no hope. It doesn't matter whether I'm a good father to my kids, it doesn't matter whether you're a good employee on Monday morning, it doesn't matter whether you're a good citizen of the United Kingdom. Hopelessness gives way to, to carelessness. We've been given something better than that. We've been given true hope. So it very, very much does inform the way that we, that we live our lives. So my encouragement this morning is this. Let's embrace that living hope. Let's, let's let, let God inform the way that we live this year. Let's care. Let's care. Let us love one another let us be generous with one another let's you know this year believe for uh you know for great things in our church and in our lives you know i want to encourage each and every one of you that 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 living hope is available to you i know that i know that some of you even even right now even in these in these recent days have been going through some real difficult stuff and you know it may feel like despair surrounds you but i want you to know this morning that the the one that is a living hope is still at your side he's still there he's still available to you could I just pray for us all for a moment Lord we thank you for this season thank you for for the Christmas season Lord I thank you that you know it's a time where those that have got family and young kids Lord have got such joy it's, it's full of fun it's full of excitement for those of us in a different season of life Lord it, it, can, it can feel a bit different and maybe it feel a little bit lonely or it can feel difficult for, for those who've lost loved ones this year and, and this time reminds them that they're, they're not going to see them again for a while at least Lord I just pray for your blessing at, at Christmas this year pray that you'll as we draw near to you Lord this morning I pray that you would draw near to us for all those Lord in this place that have not yet grasped that living hope that have not embraced you as their saviour Lord I I just ask this morning I just ask this morning Lord that your hand of love would come on them I pray Lord this year that as we open the Bible as we open the scriptures Lord that you'd speak to us help us to not go through this year Lord God guideless. Just going from one difficulty to the next, and one challenge to the next. But Lord, help us to have joy in the midst of them all. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Just as the team come up to close with our our final song, can I just invite everybody? here this morning please join us downstairs for tea and coffee and I'm sure there must be some bites yeah so please please join us downstairs also I'd just like to say if you want to come and see uh, one of the leadership team here if there's some area that you want us to talk to us or you want us to pray with you then we're available for you this morning Okay, thank you very much, team.